Welcome to Jewish History with Rabbi David Katz, connecting the human side to Jewish history. For sponsorship opportunities or to support this podcast, please visit our donate page at www.support.rabbidavidkatz.com. Hi, it's uh, <clears throat> Tuesday night. Let me see if I can do the Haftorah and finish it up for this week. It's being sponsored by our friends, the Pollocks, Paul and Kathy Pollock, who, uh, as I mentioned the other day, are doing this in appreciation to Hashem for all the simchas that have occurred recently, namely within your family, that's mine, and our friends David and Kathy Schwartz, and a former rabbi in Columbus, Rabbi Chaim Yosef Ackerman, and may we all share in the great simcha of seeing all of our hostages return to their families in good health. Halavai. So thank you. Daftorah this week, this time I'm not going to mess up, is Rosh Chodesh. I was going to do the regular one, but I remembered. And if it's Rosh Chodesh, that means we got to do Isaiah 66, the very last chapter in the book of Isaiah. Yeah, sorry, I had to do something here. Um, so let me take a whack at Isaiah chapter 66, which of course is the last prophecy in the book, as we know. Um... I'm going to give you my spin. I don't know if the Mepharshim say it. I don't think so. And that is the following. Because it's a little bit strange. It's very famous. Of course, the last part is definitely famous. Uh, but here we go. What's the difference? To, it, to me, this is interesting. What's the difference between Bias Rishon and Bias Shani? And after, Bias Rishon and after Bias Rishon. And the answer is, as far as we know, Bias Rishon, even though Shlomo Melch built it, and spend money like it was going out of style, as fancy schmancy, it doesn't seem to have made a big Roshim in the world. <clears throat> even though Shlomo has a speech where he said, Goyim can come here, and this and that and the other. It doesn't, uh, as far as I can tell, they didn't. And it was a temple in a place called Jerusalem, which is a small country, and Shlomo's time was a fairly small situation compared to other countries. But certainly afterwards, <clears throat> when the base of Migdash was just in the kingdom of Yehuda, as you know, even the Jews didn't go there from the ten tribes. They weren't allowed to go. <clears throat> and if the Jews from, <clears throat> from <clears throat> excuse me, if the Jews from Yehuda went there, hot and cold. Sometimes they did. Sometimes they didn't. Just read the Nevi'im. One of the things, among the many things they complain about, is the neglect of the temple. Uh, you know, it, it costs money and time and place and the carbonus. And all the Nevi'im uh, were complaining about that. Plus, they turned the temple into a, a bizarre place a bunch of times under different kings, as you know, Ochaz, Menasha, those guys. <clears throat> so, as splendid as it must have been, Bayez Rishon doesn't seem to have made much of a splash. By contrast, when you get after that to Bayez Shani and after Bayez Shani, the base of Migdash, <clears throat> and the site of the base of Migdash, Captured the imagination of the world. It's very interesting. In a way, it didn't do so in Bayes Rishon when there's no mention of it <coughs> anywhere. Um, what do I mean? <clears throat> we know from history that Bayes Shani period, which is around for a couple hundred years, uh, famous kings and stuff visited it and were impressed with it, including Alexander the Great, if you go by the stories, and others. The Geisha kings used to send carbonus. <coughs> That's a fact. Moreover, 
since the Second Temple period was one that saw a diaspora, saw Jews living all over the place. Wherever Jews lived, they set up Jewish communities and synagogues and stuff like that. And they were loyal to the base of Megish and they sent stuff, like it's mentioned in our Haftorah today, from Greece and from all over the place, presents to the temple. And not only that, <clears throat> but since they did it, <clears throat> the hangers-on, the Jews who hung around them, like I mentioned the other day, I mean the guy who hung around them, who visited the Jewish communities, who went to um, um, synagogues, maybe they converted, maybe they didn't convert, whatever the case is. There was a lot of that in the centuries of the Second Temple, the Greco-Roman period, and plenty of goyim sent lots of stuff, and presents, and carbonus, and this and that, and other, you shall lie. What you're allowed to do, <clears throat> God is allowed to bring a carbon. He can't be mockery, but he can give a, a shlomim. And they did. I remember Tacitus, the famous Roman historian, the senator, is complaining. The scum and refuse of the whole world are sending their gifts to Jerusalem. You know, it bothered him as, as, as a Roman, as a guy. And I get it. So when you look <clears throat> at the second temple, it captured the imagination. When Caligula, of all people, wanted to put an idol in the temple, and Agrippa wrote him that letter, I discussed it long ago, in which he filed braces, in which he says, you know, the temple is invisible God, it's a higher conception of the deity, you know, it's uh, beyond physical, uh, there's something special about this temple, and even Caligula was moved, right? At least temporarily. Uh, the Roman emperors, you know, sent Carbonus there and so forth. So, you know, <clears throat> the Baishani was something special. That there were imitations of it, like in Egypt, Nelson, Migdashronia. And when the base of Mesh was destroyed, and the Christian and Muslim religions popped up, they made the Harabayas like their holy place. So, specifically, uh, when the Romans destroyed Jerusalem in the time of Titus, and then they rebuilt it as a pagan city, so the Romans put up a pagan temple in the time of Hadrian on Harabayas. That was their way of sticking it to the Jews. But when the Christians came along, they transformed into a Christian church. It was a big Christian cathedral of some kind or other in the Harabayas. And in their way of thinking, they were giving covet. You know, they thought it's the right thing to do. It's a holy thing. And that's because they recognized the Kedusha, the base of English, and they wanted to celebrate that in a Christian way. And when the Muslims came along, they knocked that down and put up a, a mosque. It was just still there. And again, in their mind, it's a Malcolm Kaddish. And in their way, they're you know, trying to show cover to it. In their fashion. Eventually, we believe, Hashem will change things and the Kali will get it back. So, for a long, long time, 2,000 years now, it's... Uh, not been carbonus that have been offered in base of Mish, but everything else. Roman stuff, <coughs> Christian stuff, Muslim stuff, and they gave this. And Yeshayel kind of, and as, as I see it, sort of like foretelling the whole thing, because he says that the temple itself and the site of the temple can be for Haredim and can be for Rishonim. That's how he puts it. He calls them Haredim and he calls them Rishonim. And <coughs> even though the Rishon, like the Romans and the ones after that. <coughs> Excuse me. The Romans and the ones after them are bringing Karbonus. Hashem says, I'm not interested in those. That's what Yeshayahu says. You get it? 
I ain't interested in that stuff. Hashemayim kisi v'haris hadam ragli. First of all, I rule the whole world, so I don't need a house. I'm looking for the Oni, Chirua, and Chareid. See, either that's A, B, or C, or it's A, B, and C. A plus B plus C. What Hashem is looking for, if you want to be real firm about it, is an Oni plus and a Chirua plus a Chareid al It's a guy who's from, but is also humble, and is poor, at least regards himself, <coughs> not as arrogant. But instead, <coughs> that ain't what you got. You got all these Rishayim in control of the place. And they're offering quote unquote carbonas, things like that. And they mean well in their way. <coughs> Hashem said, I ain't interested in that. Shochet Ashor Makish. Those are Shechet Ashor to me. I regard it as Makish, as a murder. Zavech Haseh Urv Kelov. If they offer up a Seh, it's all figurative. I consider as if they killed a dog. Imagine if you offered up a dead dog in Beis Amigdash. If they went up a car mincha, I consider like they did zrika with the dam of a pig. If they up up levona, you know, for the for the frankincense for the for the ketoris, which a lot of these religions do, by the way, uh, I consider it like a, it's a blessing made for evil. Meaning, I turned off by that. They are interested in their shikutim. In their stuff. I'm not, says Hashem. I will, you know, deal with them the way they dealt with me. Okay? They pick what I don't want. So I think he's referring to all these many centuries of this. <coughs> now, on the other hand, the ones who, who are true blue, the Haredim, as he calls them, Shimon Haredim he says, Hold out <coughs> till Mashiach time, and then everything will be great. All those who are your enemies, and the ones who put you in exile, time will come when you will be happy and they won't. Right? And it'll happen pretty quickly. The Mashiach will come carrifying. You hear big noises and big sounds. And it's And the bad guys are getting what's coming to them. And it'll happen so fast, you won't believe it. This is the classic, old-fashioned, Satmer, Mashiach thing. You don't need a state of Israel. One day, just out of blue, you know, Keherfayim, uh, it'll change. <coughs> Imagine a lady, as soon as she gets pregnant, or as soon as she feels the pain, the baby comes out. There's no labor pains. Right? Um, and it's unusual. Mishama kazos can a whole political revolution take place at one time? And the answer is yes. Okay? The answer is yes. So, uh, therefore, he says in addition to that, not only will we get rid of all the people who, don't, who shouldn't be in the higher bias, but <clears throat> not only that, but they're the good uh, Gentiles. And they'll be the people that the Bnei Yisrael are going to go into diaspora, the Gullahs, and these will, I'll, I'll use a, 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 a phrase you'll understand. These would be like, you know, uh, I don't know, the Jerry Falwell types or something like that. Those who are, who are, who are not Jewish, but they're pro-Jewish. Whatever their cheshbonas are, it doesn't matter. But Lamaisa, 
These are people right now, as I speak from this podcast, who are standing up for Israel. I don't care what their ulterior motives are. We need all friends we can get. Simchus Yushlam Gilu Kol Rejoice in Jerusalem, all who love her. Sisim Akol Misabal And all those who are Misabal. The Misabal are the Jews. The Ohavel will be these going with help. Okay? And he goes on to say that um, to be a miraculous pr- uh, process, God's going to come like in a storm. There's going to be quite um, a cataclysmic events. As we always say we're seeing, you know, you never know. And um, and what you'll see is that um, it'll be like World War III, Gogamog or something like that. And the result will be in the end that those who survived this <clears throat> will move back to Israel. The Jews will move back to Israel, accompanied by the good guy in whose nations they stayed. They will accompany them back. It's quite a prophecy. I'll send survivors from Israel to go pick up all these uh, Jewish communities that are living among the Goyim, Tarshish, Pul, Lud, you know, uh, the Mediterranean countries, Moshe Keshes, Tuvion, the Greek countries, Tuvion and Yaman, Hoimar Chokin, faraway islands, where Jews now found themselves, Asher Shemi Lurul right? Who never heard of me before, but because the Jews moved there, he was quoted by Goyim. They told about my religion to the Goyim. And they, and they're going, the ones I'm talking about were impressed with this, and they say, we want to be part of this program. <clears throat> and uh, when the Goyim hear this, they'll say, <laughs> your brothers from all the nations of the world. No, there'll be people, not Jewish, but they'll be like your brothers. It's quite remarkable. And they want to bring a mincha Hashem. They want to go to base of English like you are. And they want to uh, uh, bring a, 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 a present to Hashem. But what does it mean? What is the present they're going to bring? The answer is they'll bring back the Jews. That's the only thing Hashem wants. Yet I don't need a carbon shlamim. If you allow and enable and help the Yidin that are in your gullus to come back in Israel in a bakavah digaway, basusim, berechev, batsabim, pradim, kirkaras, these are all the types of cards of the ancient world. They'll bring them al harkachi yushalayim, kashi yavim neisron mincha bekli tar The Jews will bring the carbon mincha, but these others who are not Jewish will be beneficiaries from it. Okay? Be beneficiaries from it. And look what he says. Um, Hashem says, I will pick these, these good people who are not Jewish. I'll make them into Kohanim Malavim of a certain type. Now, they'll have a special status. There's always been a big fight among your classical Mephorshim. I uh, will read you the footnote. I will appoint some of the nations who bring the Jews back to Israel as Kohanim Malavim, as Rashi and Ezra. According to Yosef Kimchi and Elazar Bojansi, these men will not be Kohanim Levim, they'll be Chotve Eitzim Shove Maim, you know, they'll help the Kohanim. But this uh, interpretation does not fit the plain sense of the verse. Radak says, and Radak says something really good the estranged Jews, in other words, 
part of the process of return to Eretz Yisrael in the base of Migdash will be Balshuva movement of a certain type. The people have been totally estranged from Judaism, so they, the estranged Jews, will be pointed as Kohanim Levim after they return to the fold in Messianic times. So this is why we put this at the end of Yeshayah, and why it's considered a Gavaldic a, a, a prophecy, because either way, it's something amazing. If it means the people who are not Jewish will be appointed Kohanim Levim because of their help in the Mashiach time of the, of the Bnei Yisrael, or alternatively, if we talk about Jews themselves who are like not Jewish, meaning they've totally separated themselves and divorced themselves from Yiddishkeit, and now they're all going to do tshuva, which we see happen once in a while, they will become the Kohanim Levim. Now that doesn't mean Bnei Aaron all, but it means they'll be very chashu, right? They'll play a, a seminal role in the Avodah Hashem. That's what that is. Ki kasher and he has the famous peroration. It'll be like a new sun and a new moon, meaning it'll be a new world. You know what I'm saying? <clears throat> be like, like we say in English, the dawning of a new day. Right? And therefore, imagine Mashiach time, something we usually don't think about. And that is, not only the Bnei Yisrael will be there, but so will be the good uh, uh, Goyim. Right? Who helped Kla Yisrael. They'll be there too. <clears throat> Each one may have a different role. I don't know what the pecking order is going to be. It doesn't matter because the people are not coming for cover, they're coming Lishma, because they want to do the will of Hashem. And that's why he says that the Bismillah will be international headquarters for such types. Every Shabbos, I'll repeat those words. You have a kol basar, the shtachus of one in Hashem. You understand? Um, kol basar means all mankind. It doesn't mean only the Bnei Israel. Okay? In other words, there will be what I just told you really happened in the Second Temple period, which was that people came from all over the world. You get a little bit of a sense, <clears throat> not exactly, but a little bit of a sense, sometimes, if you go to the Kotel, you see all these people from all over the world who are not Jewish. I'm talking about the ones who are going there, not let, not simply like gawking tourists. The people come in there respectfully. I wouldn't say they know exactly what to do with all those frumies running around and people hitting them for tzedakah and all that. I mean, I get that. But the but they're willing to put up with it. And the basic idea is, what is with this Western wall? What is with the Jewish thing? What do they see over here? And some of them, not all of them, but some of them are inspired by this, you understand? And they, uh, what do you call it? They, they uh, want to be part of it in their way. So in other words, <clears throat> this is part of the general prophecy that we say Mashiach time is understood as having a universal application. To B'nai Yisrael, we'll get back here to Yisrael. That's our part. But there's more than just the Bnei Yisrael in the world. Yeshayal, the Jews and the others, don't envision a Messianic era where all the others will drop dead and the Jews will be the only ones left. That's a Noah Noah and the, and the Flood kind of model. right? When, when the Flood was over, everybody was dead, and only Noah was left alone. And as you know, nobody could threaten him because he was the only guy left alive. Uh, that is not the model here. The model is more universal. 
There is something hierarchical in it. The Bnei Yisrael will have like a special situation. That's true. But the Bnei Yisrael uh, will not be the only ones. <clears throat> they will not be able to have been the only ones. Those who help them will be part of the story. To be perfectly honest, if you look at the modern state of Israel, not that I'm conflating the two, but it's just interesting to observe, the modern state of Israel <clears throat> is is due to Jews' efforts, no question about that, but it's also due to efforts of people who are not Jewish but helped. I know off the top of my head I'm thinking of Alfred Declaration, things like that. You know, that's a fact. If we had no friends at all in the world, October 7th would have been a bummer and a half. You can't take it away. Biden really helped. You can't You can't deny it. <clears throat> Understand? And so he's saying that part of the future will be that people come from all over the world to the base of Migdash. You have to change your thoughts. Instead of thinking that in future times, you know, everybody has their own <clears throat> fantasy. If you're Satmer, you say everybody in base of Migdash is going to shram al-Kapata. If you're Lubavitch, everybody in base of Migdash is going to be Chabad because then they'll recognize the truth. <laughs> you understand? If it's a Kippas Rugab, you know, if you're a Vada Yosef freak, you know, all the people are going to be surprised because then the Ashkenazim will be Moder Alamis. You know, that way of thinking. And Yeshua is presenting a different thing. See, but all kind of, you have Okoba, so there'll be a lot of different people there. All different races, all different types. And Lishtacha was so funny. They want to come to base of English and acknowledge that it's a holy place to bow down before me. Vyatsa Roba Pikar Anosham Poshabi. And this is the strangest part. It's very Middle Eastern. And they'll see the corpses of the dead people who opposed me, you know, like the Gogamogo types or something like that. Kisalatan Thomas Bisham Lucifer, Hordanel Kolbosar. Because their bodies will not rot, they'll, they'll burn and stink forever. Right? It's part of the miracle. Uh, if you want to take this more figuratively, they will see, <clears throat> how should I put it, uh, the total error of the other drachen. Uh, I would say like this. Today, from the point of view of 2024, <clears throat> you look at communism, like it was in Russia, and you say, ugh, tolatam lo somus, ishan lo tichbe, v'hoyu deron lo chobosar. You understand? The whole thing stinks. You know, it's pretty clear now to most people. Uh, that's what it'll be like at that time. Now, I'm not there. I hope I'm there, but I'm not there. Maybe it means that the dead bodies will, you know, will continue to glow. Maybe they have some new weapons to face, you know. Anything's possible. Um, you know, with their nuclear stuff, who the heck knows? But, uh, and that's how he ends the book on that high note. But to me, the high note is, that the Bismarck will be a universal center. It will not only be Klai Yisrael. It will be all good people. You know what I just said? It won't only be Klai Yisrael. <coughs> it will be all good people. They will have earned it. And the truth is, when you read this before, it sounds like a fantasy. How could the whole human race go But today, with modern technology, you could do it. Right? If you want to. Certainly you could go every Rosh Chodesh. Right? If somebody wanted to. And if you know it's recognized for the special and grand occasion that it is, there'll be flights all the time to be Rosh Chodesh and visit Rishalim and go to Beis Hamidish, the Shtachavus Lafanai. And I'm talking about people who are not Jews. 
They don't have to be. But we don't say they have to be. They're also part of it because they uh, they helped. They acknowledged. And as it says before, they helped, they helped bring the B'nai Yisrael. Heviyos achechem mikol agoyim. Susim rechav tzavim pradim kirkaris. They helped the survivors escape and make it to Yerushalayim. So, uh, this is the grand and glorious vision of the Prophet Yishayahu. This is why it sort of ends the book like on a high, quote unquote, on a high note. And it's interesting because of the reference that everybody would go <coughs> on Rosh Chodesh, so it became the Haftorah that they prescribed for Rosh Chodesh. Only because it says the words Rosh Chodesh in it. But it does give an very interesting idea of the Rosh Chodesh of the future. In which case, Yerushalayim would be hopping, the hotels would be full, and not only Jews, right? And the others want to come, and like I said before, it's always been the case that people are not Jewish are allowed in the base of Mikdash. I mean, can't go everywhere, even even Israel can't go into the Machni Kahuna, you know. But there are certainly parts of the base of Mikdash who come in and participate. And the type of people I'm talking about are not going to be the type who say, I want my space and get out of my space, all the rest of it. They'll be God-seekers. They'll be good people. They'll be lishma in their way. And they will be seeking, you know, the presence of God. And they will find it. And they'll find it as a reward for their efforts. So that's the glorious vision of this Haftarah. Um, again, I want to thank the Pollock for sponsoring. The direct time they did too. And I think that probably wraps up for this week. For sponsorship opportunities or to support this podcast, please visit our donate page at www.support.rabbidavidkatz.com.